0: What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Mixed Tag. It is your boy, wrestling encyclopedia and three-time Indian leg wrestling champion, Mr. Keith White, here for a totally crazy, nostalgic episode that I'm really excited for. I have with me a former co-host of the Morning Rant Sports Show on WBLZ Radio. Chris Sly is here today. Chris, how you doing, man? How's things going?
1: Keith, I'm great. Thanks for having me on. Uh, I've been wanting to come on for a while. I love listening to you guys. So I'm, I'm very excited to be here and uh, and talk some wrestling because, man, I, I haven't uh, really had a chance to to have a platform to talk uh, for quite a long time. I kind of stepped uh, out of the business for a bit. And, you know, it's it's exciting to, to jump back in and, and talk some old school wrestling.
0: Absolutely, man, and I've enjoyed just our conversations that we've had before, without a microphone. So, you know, I'm, I'm really excited to uh, to get the chance to talk to you today. Um, tonight, as we're recording, uh, NWA uh, had their their TV show Power tonight, and you'll find this interesting. Um, the main event was Trevor Murdoch and the former Chris Masters, Chris Adonis. So, names that you're familiar with. Uh, Absolutely for the NWA North American uh, championship national title. I'm sorry, national title. I always mess that up. And, uh, and Chris Masters, Chris Adonis, I should say is the new champ. He beat Trevor Murdoch. So it's just kind of a blast from the past there. And, um, but today we're, we're kicking it even old, more old school than that. Um, We're heading back to the era that we grew up in the era that really solidified a lot of things uh, going forward. And that is uh, the Monday night wars. And I'm just, I'm pumped, man. I am pumped. Um, just uh, I'm going to do a little background information for everybody. Um, prior to the Money Night Wars, of course, everyone, I think everyone even who listens and anybody that is uh, even younger that didn't even get to see it is familiar with it because it's just so iconic. Um, but, you know, since I mentioned, uh, you know, the NWA uh, just a minute ago, the NWA had an interesting um, history and, and, lineage in that timeline, you know, they had oh. kind of, they had kind of separated uh, from WCW. Um, and of course the Monday night wars, we're talking about two companies, two major companies, WWF and WCW. And then we also need to kind of throw in ECW, uh, you know, in oh. the mix there. Cause they were, a, you know, they were a little bit of a, of a catalyst going on, but, you know, we'll, we'll mention quickly the NWA and, and, you know, what happened prior to the Monday night wars uh, you know, you had, uh, NWA had this little territory uh, called Eastern Championship Wrestling. They, uh-huh. they, they had severed ties with WCW, um, you know, which I still think is a shame. Um, you know, I I I really enjoyed as you did uh, when the NWA and World Championship Wrestling were together in Jim Crockett Promotions and you know under that Turner Broadcasting banner. But uh, there was a huge moment where Shane Douglas won the NWA. Championship. It was vacant at the time. He threw it down and he declared it to be a dead organization and a dead title. And and very
1: claimed, iconic moment, yes. Yes.
0: And and claimed the ECW championship for extreme championship wrestling. The shot hurt around the world, you know. So um that was a big time moment that set into motion things later. But you know, it's interesting to me, you know, all these years later that you know NWA has come back to prominence and you know we don't have ECW anymore and I don't think at the time any of us would have thought that would have been the case but you know I, I know I'm rushing ahead we gotta we gotta go oh,
1: it, it's fine and the re, I, I understand why you say that because ECW was on that brink of becoming a third major company mm-hmm. and and Paul, and I'm not sure if anybody's ever seen it but there was a documentary released by WWE about Paul Heyman mm-hmm. and one of the things that he said that stuck with me Uh, was you know we were too big to be a small organization like we were growing too fast to be a small organization but we were too small to land that big tv because that's what they had they had a tv Mm -hmm. contract in place with tnt until wwe ended up taking that spot but if they had gotten that tv contract they could have gotten to that large uh spot but Unfortunately, they didn't get it. So they like Paul Heyman said very famously in this documentary, "We were too small to be big. We were too big to be small." It was over. They were yeah. done.
0: And they, they they didn't fit well on cable television. You know, the, the, what people enjoyed about ECW wasn't going to be prime time for sure. Um, <laughs> But let's go ahead. I'm going to kind of set the stage because, you know, because I I talk every week. We want to we want to hear more about about your insights. So, you know, take us back.
1: People, people love listening to you, Keith. That's why they keep coming back.
0: (laughs) Tell Jared that. Um,
1: (laughs) (laughs) Get him on there. I'll
0: tell them right now. There you go. So we got to just talk real quick, you know, for you. um, For the Monday Night Wars, like and leading up to it, like what. What was wrestling like for you at that time?
1: So before I really uh, understood the concept of of the companies competing, wrestling to me was, you know, Hulk Hogan, uh, the Macho Man, uh, the Ultimate Warrior, like that kind of, you know, 80s pinnacle of wrestling and that's when I was born in the 80s so growing up as a kid I love that and transitioned to Bret Hart and I, I mean you have talked off camera about this Bret Hart and the one two three kid mm. one of my favorite matches of all time it was such a phenomenal match which is why one two three kid who later became known as X-Pac and or Six-Pac and whatever else mm. he, he was known as he was actually one of my dudes growing up um so that was what I knew Uh, going into the Monday Night Wars was more of the, yeah, it was kind of cartoony at times, but there were still some solid, you know, wrestling. There were still, you know, solid performances to be put on. Um, You know, if you could look past the, the garbage guys and Man, and there were some characters that were real corny that I liked, like IRS. Like I think everyone had a spot in their heart for the, the mean IRS villain, you know, even though he's just a tax guy. Like, what what is the gimmick?
0: Well, it's but, it's, it's funny now because you and I are adults and we totally get it now. Like, we yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: absolutely. And uh, but and you know there there is a lot, and it's not like WCW before the Monday Night Wars was knocking out of the park. I mean, they had the Undertaker. For for Pete's sake, they had Stone Cold Steve Austin on their roster. They let these iconic guys go. Like it's not like they were fighting to keep them. They let them go. They even had, but before Kevin Nash came back, they had Kevin Nash, and then he left and he got big before he came back. So it was it was it was a a state of flux that I think wrestling was in, where they were in between that you know mega eighties you know kind of re- revival of wrestling with the MTV rock revolution whatnot and what we eventually got into with the attitude era in the Monday Night world wars it was just a weird in-between part where like I said there were still some good stuff but I don't think it was what the viewer was was hoping the you know the viewers at the end up getting that's not w- what they were looking for
0: Wcw was way ahead of its time in terms of the roster their their depth in that 91 92, 93... Oh check check this out man let's just let's just go through this real quick please
1: For, please yes
0: first of all you had Razor Ramon the diamond stud managed by Diamond Dallas Page he wasn't even wrestling yet okay so let's 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 mention that uh, and people that, don't
1: realize that uh, they forget Diamond Dallas Page didn't start until what late 30s early 40s yeah 40s, 40s yeah mm-hmm.
0: yeah and so you're looking at uh, that roster man you had Brian Pillman you had Steve Austin you had Flair Arn Anderson, you had Ricky Steamboat, you had Ron Simmons, you had Sting, you had Big Van Vader, you had Sid Vicious, <laughs> you had, like you said, Kevin Nash in in a in a in a jobber role. You had Cactus Jack. Um, Cactus Jack. You had um, it, you know, a little earlier, like you said, you had Mean Mark Callis, aka the Undertaker. You know, you had you had this roster, um, that was. You know now you and Sh- oh by the way Shane Douglas was also in WCW. He was, t- <laughs> yeah, he was. He was, he was t- <laughs> I mean, he was teaming with Ricky's Steamboat. Oh sorry, a young Dustin Rhodes who was like the Ooh. hottest, the hottest thing back then. I mean, you had, yeah, you had these guys that were just fantastic workers, and you had guys like Bill Watts who came in and just kind of, you know, Bill Watts tried to make it sport, which was admirable in a way because the talent, but he did this really weird thing where first of all he made sure that there was no protective mats. It was just concrete on the floor. And then he took away the rule was you could not use the top rope. If you use the top rope, it was a disqualification. And
1: and so, so um, Bill Watts, he, he's done a few interviews as well. Since then, Um, I I, I think he's passed away by now. I can't remember. I believe so. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, man, I, I'm a documentary fiend, first and foremost. Like, Same. with wrestling and, and anything, really. Like, I just watched a Richard Nixon documentary. Anyway. Um, they, uh, but the, there's a lot of documentaries on, on like you said, the WCW, uh, mid-Atlantic uh, uh, Championship Wrestling, uh, just the rise, the fall, all that different stuff. And Bill Watts pretty much explained why he did those things. And he did take that company, which was bleeding money, and almost got them into the black like he he slashed how much money they were losing they they went from losing millions to like i said nearly even so he did a lot of good things and like you said those were the two big ones and the mats on the side of the, the wrestling ring i mean obviously the safety of the wrestlers goes out the window when you do that but i wasn't as opposed to that as like you said the the top rope uh mm-hmm. thing. like man, the macho man, Randy Savage did it. Like, it's not like he was a high flyer, so to speak, uh, by today's standards, but his finishing move was off the top rope. It's, and I feel like when you limit what can be done, it it just takes away from the product. So, uh, like, I understand maybe to the wrestlers say, hey, try not to do the top rope stuff as often, even though it's, it's fun flying around is cool and, and fun to watch, but I understand like putting that message out there, but to make it like to let the viewer know, like, Hey, we're not going to be doing this. It's just okay. Like I understand maybe you're trying to get the, across more the storytelling aspect, but it was, like you said, it was, it was some very questionable maneuvers, but I, I can't understate that. He still did good things for the company. Um, and, According to him, anyway, it was a constantly uphill battle fighting with network executives because, as it as it is famously known, wrestling was one of their top draws in viewership, and they did not want it to be one of their top draws in viewership.
0: Right, and and you know, you, and you're giving the credit to Bill Watts as you should, uh, and it's interesting too because he we talked about this awesome roster he had, right. And right. and they and they took away house shows. Like he was able to, to you know, to get them almost to be like you said in the black in terms of, you know, their their revenue, um, and and you know, and their spending. He got everything under control, right? Um, and then and then he has to step away. Uh, you know, he made some uh, derogatory comments and uh, and racist comments, and Hank Aaron sat on the board, uh, you know, of Turner, and, right. And, you know, that wasn't going to fly. And so Bill Watts is out. And then uh, you have, as he should have, have. Um, you know, and then you have, uh, you know, a young guy, you know, named Eric Bischoff, who eventually, you know, ascends the ladder. Um,
1: Who's this guy, Eric Bischoff? Oh, he's our, like, sixth announcer? Or he's like, who?
0: (laughs) Yeah. He's on, he's on the D show at the time. You know? um, it, it's it's amazing that his, you know, his rise and his run. And it's also amazing what he does prior to the Monday night wars, because we just talked about the talent that Bill Watts had. And then he starts bringing in, you know, Hogan and, you know, beefcake. Oh man,
1: that, that Hogan signing. How huge was that? Hogan remember? had retired. He said he wasn't going to compete with, with Vince. And I don't think he really had plans to at the time when he left, like he was movies, like he was going to be the rock. Like he was the guy that made wrestling, like wrestlers be able to be, in. have you seen his movies? They're horrible, but they, I mean, they're like, can't be hilarious, horrible, but like, man, they're, they're not good movies. And, but he, that was the thing. Like he was huge. Like gremlins too. You saw gremlins too. Hulk Hogan makes a cameo. It's fantastic. And and I remember when he was signed again, I was so young, but man, was it a huge deal. Like huge, like because he's the biggest wrestler of all time at that point. Probably even still. I mean, you can say John Cena or Stone Cold Rock, whatever, but he's still up up there. And and it was, yeah, it was it definitely made WCW go from, in my opinion, a a southern you know, they have Rick Flair and whatnot, but you know, all their announcers have Southern accents as Eric Bischoff stated and whatnot. And, but like Hogan, they, they got Hulk Hogan. They got the big guy. So yeah, that was big. But like you said, they got all their, they got, they got all their pieces too, but that yeah. was a huge.
0: Well, and they, and they changed it to WCW where the big boys play. And so, you know, the shift begins, you had the WWF, the new generation, and then, you know, and you have Eric Bischoff going to Ted Turner and saying, Hey man, we want, we want to have a Monday night show. We want to compete with the WWF, and he even said he asked for these things, not thinking that he was going to get them. And then right. Ted Turner, and then they said yes, and he's like, "Oh no!" So, <laughs> um, you know, so so just kind of like talk me through. You know, I remember, I remember where I was. I remember watching. I was, I was watching Monday Night Raw, but if I'm being honest, man, like uh, the talent wasn't that great. They wasted the Steiner brothers. You know, um, you know, they had meaningless feuds with Crush and Macho Man. Um, you know, they're, just back then, it really wasn't much to speak about. And then Monday Night Nitro comes on, man. And, and the very first night, Lex Luger comes out and he's supposed to be in the WWF. And all of a sudden, he's, you know, he's in the Mall of America. And, you know, um, Hogan, by the way, had a had, side note, had a, a little uh, little chain of uh, pasta, um eatery called pasta mania yes, so, you exactly. know, so <laughs> that's and I, I really wish i could find like a menu or something of that um but you know it, it's just amazing to me you know they came out with a bang on tnt mm-hmm. and and that isn't ex- that is sort of the start of the monday night wars but things don't pick up until a certain point point. and you know i want you to kind of expound upon like what you thought of back then
1: well, well, and I think the key to that deal was, too, and I don't know if many people remember this, I certainly didn't as a child, but um, one of the reasons I did watch that opening show was I tuned in for, for WWE because that was the show I watched. I wasn't much of a WCW fan. Um, I really didn't even know who they were until the Hogan signing. And um, the reason they blew up so fast, in my opinion, is the night that they aired their first show was a WWE Raw rerun. When can you say Raw has put a rerun up? The last time you can say, I think it's probably the last time. They put a rerun up. Okay, this is the same show as last week. Let's find something else to watch. Flip through the channels. Oh, here's other wrestling. And oh, there's Hulk Hogan. And oh, like these big guys that I've seen on WWE. There, but they're wrestling here. Okay, I'll watch this. And like you said, then Lex Luger, who was the replacement for Hogan in WWE, like he was supposed to be the guy that stepped up to the All-American and whatnot. Now he's on that show. Like you said, it's popping out at the end. Holy crap. <laughs> like that. That. Was, so I feel like if they were going head-to-head with WWE, obviously they still, I think, get to where they got. But I think they got there much faster because – so many of that audience was, was looking for something else. They're not going to watch the same wrestling show. Um, so yeah, that that was huge. That was a huge thing at, uh, for WCW, and like you said, it kind of set a tone. It wasn't uh, quite a war yet because I mean they were fighting in a mall, they're uh, wrestling in a mall. They don't have uh, a home, so to speak, or anything like that. And it that ending with Luger, I think set the tone of, okay, what's next? Like it, like it almost set it up for them. Um, all right. Now we got to keep it going and, and, and top what we did uh, previous.
0: It was WCW that definitely gave us the whole, anything can happen on Monday night five. They, they kicked that off. They started that and we can bypass a lot, man, because there was this year, year or two situation where like, we're talking Hulk Hogan and the Yeti, uh, you know, like, there's a lot of, uh, really rough wrestling and angles heading into, uh, you know, when they get the Nash and hall signing. And of course, you know, uh, there's a horrible match on TV. And, and one thing we have to kind of mention too, is, um, having these two companies, uh, the talent, you know, the talent pool in like the, you know, the early matches was not the best half the time. In fact, when, um, You know, when Scott Hall jumps the guardrail, it's a really bad match. I don't remember who the two guys were, but they were not anybody to speak of.
1: Yeah. And again, kind of doing that right. Like, you don't want to have him come in and bully your top stars, right? Like, because that's essentially what he did. He came in, he was just like, all right, you guys out of the ring. Like, could you imagine that being like Hogan or Sting or like, all right, out of the ring? Like that I feel like that maybe shows a little bit of disrespect to those wrestlers. So I think they, they did it right by doing it with a couple of nobodies. Cause like you said, I can't remember who they are. I'm not, I'm not trying to be a jerk. I'm sure those guys were fine workers, but
0: uh who were but, but, so. but they weren't they weren't stars. And, no, they were um, not
1: stars at all.
0: And it, you know, to me, looking back, um yes, of course, WCW, you know, had had that going for them you know starting the nwo the intrigue but um one thing that i want to give them a lot of credit for also is uh those cruiserweight matches man to start to start nitro the talent they grabbed and and the foresight that they had compared to the wwf i mean you know they got they got d malenko Rey mysterio eddie guerrero juventude chris jericho and wwf has Sa Rios, and (laughs) no disrespect, but you know Taka Michinoku and
1: (laughs) Taka Michinoku. Yes, he. I mean, he was a huge star in Japan. But uh, like, like you said, I mean, when you call your when when you're literally ripping off the cruiserweight division and the cruiserweight title, and you're calling it the light heavyweight championship, like what? What are you? What are you doing? You're you're. A blatant copy.
0: So what's interesting about that, though, is the and this is like, oh, wrestling historian, like, okay. like, nerdy stuff. um There was a WWWF Junior Heavyweight Championship, and then it became the WWF Junior Heavyweight Championship that ended up being defended in Japan, and Tiger Mask and Dynamite Kid and those guys. know would go after it and it later became rolled into the the j cup championship okay so it's very interesting that they have a there's there is a lineage there there was at one point you know this um this recognition of the smaller wrestlers but you're correct it was like oh
1: it was almost forgotten about or pushed yeah. aside until the success of, of the cruiserweight.
0: Right. Until they saw, you know, what they're doing on the other channel. Cause it, I mean, what a brilliant way to open your show. You know, you're oh. not, you're not getting like a lame match. You're getting the most exciting, fast paced thing you can think of. Those guys. and then are you're ch-
1: bringing in those, those hard hitting storylines after the fact, but like you said, what's going to grip people right away, a storyline that they don't know much about to start off or some fantastic wrestling. And, and, just technically sound, new things that people hadn't seen before. High flying. It was a mixture of everything. It was uh, fantastic,
0: which holds up today, and that's what's crazy to me, man. Okay. Like, it, like you,
1: I, I still will go back and watch some of those uh, Dean Malenko Eddie Guerrero matches. Uh, Eddie Guerrero Rey Mysterio. I mean, they 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 did great, and uh, you know, we started off the show by talking about ECW. All those people that you mentioned in the Cruiserweight, they were ECW. Can you imagine if ECW didn't lose 80% of their roster? Like they would be the heavy hit. Like they had just amazing talent in ECW, Uh, numerous future WWE Hall of Famers. Mm -hmm. Uh, And some might say one of the greatest of all time. and, And I'm in that group with Chris Jericho. I mean, Jericho had it all. He had the technical soundness, the high flying, the the look, the ability to talk on mic as a heel or face. Obviously, I think he did his best work as a heel, especially in w- WCW. But he had everything. And uh, like I said, Eddie Guerrero, a, a WWE Hall of Famer, um, Rey Mysterio, all of them. They they, they all came from that ECW. I hate to call it, it, but kind of like a farm because it it really was like they were trying to be their own thing, but they were they were being farmed by WWE and WCW, especially WCW for those cruiserweights. So, yeah, if they had kept half of that talent, I think they may have had they may have had a shot. But who knows now? I mean, it's 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 in the past. But just fantastic talent uh, for the the cruiserweight division.
0: And, and we're all over the place tag and you, You're listening to us, but this is honestly, we're having a conversation. Like, you know, this is, this is just like sitting in a living room, chopping it up with a friend. This is, exactly, <laughs> yes. this is exactly what this is. So I want to mention real quick, you know, we, we should talk about ECW and then, you know, and then get back to the, the two, the two main big boys. But mm-hmm. uh, for me, man, I remember I remember just like watching ECW and it felt like it was wrong. Like I felt like I wasn't supposed oh, to yeah. watch it, you know, like it's coming on at, you know, three,
1: Real late at night. Yep. Yeah,
0: three, three in the morning and it's grainy. And like, they got this, like the music that was way too loud for the television. Like it was, it didn't match up. And uh, you know, and it just felt like I was watching something that I wasn't supposed to. And it felt very underground. They did a great job. They filmed it all in Paul Heyman's basement, you know. Like all the, all those promos were pretty much done in his basement. You like the basement behind me, no one can see this, but you know, I got the uh, the ECW basement behind me pretty much. Um, but yeah, man, like it's just incredible to think about the talent that came through, and and then the talent that even stayed, and and who he grew, who he who he grew, who he groomed. You got guys like Dreamer. You got uh, the Dudleys. You got Taz. You got RVD. Um, you know, just this this awesome roster, like he said, of misfits. And so they were, you know, they were kind of in the background, but they were either being poached by either company or they, you know, WWF even had an, an early invasion angle. Where ECW... I was going to say,
1: they even brought them to the forefront with that yeah. invasion. I think that did wonders for the ECW getting a little bit more mainstream appeal.
0: It absolutely did. And, and I think that everyone, everyone with two eyes can make the argument that, the WWF when they made their turn because they were getting whooped by uh, by the WCW and I think when they started getting that edgy content and, and stealing blatantly stealing from ECW is when they turned the tide you know they turned into the Jerry Springer of professional wrestling with a large platform but if you look at what they were doing a lot of that was poached from ECW including a very fun belt but also One that, like I said, blatantly stole the hardcore championship, man. Oh, yes.
1: (laughs) Anywhere, anytime, 24-7.
0: And, you know, it's funny because it started off as like this, you know, gag gift to Mick Foley, you know, to kind of get him off Mr. McMahon's back, took on a life of its own. Um, You know. It
1: it held a lot of prestige at one point, but it really really did.
0: Yeah, I mean, you you know, it was, you were considered, you know, probably the toughest guy on the roster, Um, you know, and then, you know, as, as the 24 seven belt has done, like, you know, things become a little bit of a joke. Um, <laughs> but I remember like, you know, I remember Raven having that belt and coming out with the shopping cart full of weapons and, oh, yes. you know, and there were some, there were some really good uh good matches with some big names, you know, going after that belt, but, you know, and we, yes, we're all over the place and that's okay. Cause some of these shows we do that. Um, But I was just curious, like more fun that way. Yeah, absolutely. What, like, what stood out to you the most in the Monday Night Wars, like what, Like because for me, I remember, you know, I remember in high school and then in college, like literally flipping back and forth on the channels, you know, just you
1: flip know. it back and forth. Yes, absolutely. Um, well, one of the big things that stood out to me, like I said, being a WWE uh, guy. And for me, when WCW was like, oh, crap, like this is this is good was, and you mentioned it, with with Scott Hall jumping the rail, Kevin Nash, it, you know, and, and I would like to get your opinion on it too, but it was that curtain call incident at Madison Square Garden, you know, Scott Hall, Kevin Nash leaving Triple H and, and Shawn Michaels, and really those four guys, for, for lack of better terms, helped lead their respective companies to where they got. I mean, yes, They they both had some help with other players, especially Stone Cold with WWE, but DX was huge. Everyone was crotch chopping back in the day, you know, everyone was NWO back in the, like, I saw people with NWO shirts crotch chopping. Like, it was like the best of both worlds, but it was all that, that click group and that curtain call incident really was the, the thing that took it from kayfabe to reality. Because it was like, whole oh crap! They're all buddies." Like, because the, the click really wasn't known at that point, and obviously, it became a big thing after that. So, I think that that for me was the turning point of, "Okay, like wrestling's cool." To like, "Oh, this is cool." Like, this is this is pretty radical.
0: Yeah, and you're correct. Um, when when you shatter kayfabe, it changes it changes how wrestling is viewed. Um, you know, it changes how it's consumed
1: and not everybody liked it. I personally liked it. a lot of, you know, the, the, Oh God, what's his name with the damn racket. I can't think of his name right now. Jim, Uh, Jim, Jim Cornette, Jim Cornette. Jesus. Thank you. He was, he's been super vocal about it. And just all of the, the managers and, and guys that have been in the business for so long thought the business was done, like destroyed after that event
0: it's one of those situations where, you know, you, you know, it's almost like the, and sorry kids, but the idea of Santa Claus, you know, where, you know, your, your parents and everybody, you know, they're either going to sit there and immediately tell you that wrestling is fake or, you know, or they're going to allow you the, um, you know, the, the element of magic, you know, the, the, the childlike wonder for as long as you can. I remember, you know, my, my dad kind of let me, you know, think it was fake uh, until I was 27. I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> yeah, you know, but it's just one of those things where like, you know, the the curtain got lifted and it became very open. Uh, I actually, I have a theory, man. Um, oh, I'd love to hear. It. I with, love you. With um, the curtain call. If the curtain call didn't happen, Triple H would not have gotten punished. He was supposed to win the King of the Ring. They, he was
1: supposed to win Stone Cold one that year instead, right? If
0: if the curtain call didn't happen, I don't think we get Steve Austin. I don't think we get Stone Cold. Because I like
1: that theory. I like that.
0: I, and my reasoning is because Triple H then becomes the guy. Mm-hmm. Stone, Stone Cold was supposed to be just this mid-card, maybe Intercontinental Championship, sniff it, you know, occasionally. But he was, with the Ringmaster gimmick, he was not supposed to be pushed. He wasn't. And so I have to wonder... You know, would he have just kind of stayed mid card if Triple H hadn't gotten punished? You know, they talk about next man up, you know, in WWE, they talk about the brass ring. And of course, you know, Steve Austin grabbed it. He was talented enough. He should have. Um, but even if you look at WCW, they kind of mismanaged him, too, for a while. Like, you know, he came in real hot, get the television title and then languished. And he was literally thrown to a tag team with Brian Pillman. They had to make it work got themselves back over but too many times he was overlooked and i'm wondering had triple h not been in trouble like would we have had stone cold i i feel that's i feel like that's kind of at least valid to talk about
1: i i think he's a i think he's a star i think he's still a big star because it started to happen he had already dropped the ring next gimmick by then he was stone cold steve austin what that meant doesn't resonate the way it does now, but that's what he was. He had transitioned to that. And you're, you're absolutely right, because if, if Triple H wins that King of the Ring, one of Austin's top two or three moments of all time, the Austin 316 speech is not there. It's He doesn't fight. The whole reason he right. had that was because he fought Jake the Snake, who was running with the, the religious angle, and he quoted John 316, and then the Austin three sixteen says, "I just whipped your." A-. So it was. Can I say that? You can. <laughs> Bleep me if you need to. But it was. It was. That was the moment. It was like, oh crap! Like the crowd. You could you could sense the crowd was buzzing. Mm-hmm. And following that, there was Austin three sixteen signs and chants, and this guy doesn't give an f, but we love it is basically what the crowd was, was giving to the WWE. So yeah, I still, like I said, he was still on that Austin path before King of the Rings. So I still think he stays on that. But yeah, it's, it's definitely a different trajectory for WWE. And hey, maybe they even lose the war because Stone Cold was their guy, like the number one guy. Yeah, when he got hurt and left, Triple H stepped up and The Rock stepped up and you still had people that stepped up and did a phenomenal job. But it was, in my opinion, Austin and very much credit to DX. I think those were the two driving forces behind WWE's attitude there. Absolutely. All, respect, all respect to The Undertaker and, and, and you know, Mankind and, and all those other guys like for putting on the Hell in the Cell and the, the hardcore matches. But those were the two more mainstream driving forces, Austin and DX.
0: First, I'm going to real quick say that it's just amazing to think what you had talked about, that Austin would have lost a major source of revenue. He made so much money off those Austin 316 oh. t-shirts, and they would have been non-existent. Um, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and give an unpopular opinion. Okay. Uh, um, the Undertaker, to me, if you take him out of the equation of the Attitude Era, you still have an awesome Attitude Era. I feel like he was just kind of like you know the Ministry of Darkness was okay, um, and eventually it led to you know the Stephanie McMahon character that we all know. Mm -hmm. But to me, I mean, was it that like it's it's memorable to me? But I also can can do without it if that makes sense. Um, Oh
1: yeah, yeah. It it is definitely. uh, I'm with you. It's it's (laughs) blasphemy to say it right to to a lot of wrestling fans, but. I mean, if you think about Undertaker, what, what do you think about? Uh, hell in a Cell with Mankind. And that was Mankind almost killing himself. Mm-hmm. That's, that's really what that was. Um, you know, the, the Kane and Undertaker feud well, mm-hmm. was a big one. Shawn Michaels and the Undertaker uh, feuding was big. But that, again, could you have taken Undertaker out and put somebody else in those places? Maybe not with Kane because you needed that kind of brother or whatever. But yeah, I mean, you put somebody else in there with Mankind, throwing a big guy, like like Undertaker, throwing Mankind around, putting, you'd probably have the same sort of thing. Same thing with Shawn Michaels. I think what The Undertaker brought to WWE wasn't so much the matches. He did fine, like you said, fine matches, but could, could you have replaced him with somebody and still gotten similar quality? Probably. I think it was more the locker room leadership, and that's from almost every interview I've ever seen by anybody that's ever wrestled in the attitude era for WWE said how much of a locker room leader and he was like the leader in that locker room for the guys. So I think that's that's probably his biggest um contribution to the attitude era versus on screen.
0: And and during the 83 weeks where they were getting their butts whooped, he he was the glue. He kept things together. Uh you know, to me there's no doubt about that and you're and you're right. He provided consistency. He was the model of consistency. So you know he had value. He had a role. Just for me, like the whole Ministry of Darkness, I could have done without.
1: Yeah, um, I'm with him. But hey, um, that pop Stone Cold got though when he came out and saved Stephanie off that cross. That was a big one for, for Stone Cold.
0: Yeah, and man, oh, how how controversial was that man to get? Oh, crucified? it was.
1: Yeah, it was very. I mean, again, but it was one of those one of those you know them pushing the envelope mm-hmm. to see how far they could push it. Yeah, I mean, w, uh, ECW did something worse, obviously, because they actually did crucify somebody, mm-hmm. which made angle walk out on them. But, the, you know, they, they were pushing it as well. WWE, uh, uh, WWF at the time, that's what they were trying. They were trying to find how far they could push it. Where do I have to push it? Because if they didn't, like with, with DX, At the time, that was more Hunter and Sean. That wasn't so like the the writers and 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 Vince was okay with it, but even he was like, "Oh, I don't know." Like when he got like, "This is kind of risky," and everybody around Vince was telling them like they shouldn't be doing this. But man, that's what the people love. Like you you have to they had to push it at that time to compete, and they had to push it far enough. To to draw those viewers in because if they don't push it far enough if if DX you know doesn't push as far as they do it's not as big right so you have you have to test those limits and then obviously once they hit that limit they're like okay let's we'll turn it back a little bit but we kind of have our measuring stick now of, of where we can go
0: it's incredibly interesting to think about how far the WWF had to dig deep. To to defeat WCW, how WCW is just whooping them, you know, week in and
1: week did WWE out. WWE defeat WCW, or did WCW defeat themselves?
0: So I'm going to go ahead and say that when when the 83 week streak was broken, WCW was still um, you know still a viable you know hot company because we oh. had we hadn't even gotten to the Goldberg Hogan match yet by that point, so you know and you still have the nwo you know in in a strong form the wolf pack things like that i i will say that WCW defeated itself um you know towards the end they couldn't maintain that momentum um and then bringing in Vince russo and just you know the absolute absolute dumpster fire of oh. angles and storylines and you know weird appearances and wrestling matches you know you no matter what anybody says to me uh vince russo killed wcw that's that's my that's my opinion here now forever
1: i i agree with you that he that he's the one that finished them off and killed her yeah in my opinion they were already on the slope down mm-hmm. and here's a couple things that goldberg hulk hogan match you talked about they haven't even got to that did huge viewer numbers, huge. How is that not a pay-per-view match? Thank you. They put it on free TV. They put it in the huge stadium at Goldberg's hometown. They almost sold out with less than a week's notice. You put that on a pay-per-view, they're, they're good for the year. Like, they've made enough money to cover expenses for the year. Everything else is gravy. Put that on a pay-per-view. What are you doing Eric Bischoff, come on! Just, so, just
0: just for ratings, just for just for a, a he quarter. Was
1: so hell bent on driving WWE out of business versus just making sure his business did well that it, it blinded him. It really did.
0: And it's funny too because I don't know if you. I remember I remember watching a whole night and leading up to that match, and it felt like a UFC pay per view. Like they yeah. they built. They built it up so much, like this was the fight of the century, mm-hmm. and Bobby Bobby Heenan was just on his game. I feel what? like I feel like that might have been his second best announcing night, you know, behind a-
1: the oh, Royal Rumble Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, it's not fair to Blair. It's not
0: fair. God, he was so good. It was um, so good. <laughs> but yeah, man, I just. I, I that was you're right like but and and
1: you know. so that was one and then the second was I, I understand that you have that Hulk Hogan is a huge star Macho Man Randy Savage is a huge star and Lex Luger is a huge I understand they're huge stars but when you have these obviously phenomenal performers up and coming you, you don't even put them in programs with the older guys like I understand if they're not going to go over. You still want the older guy? Put him in a program with with the older guy. Could you imagine the a, the Chris Jericho Goldberg that Chris Jericho wanted? Like, sure, let Goldberg squash him, but like let Goldberg come out and act, like let let them have a real program. Put I, I, don't, I hate to say his name, but he was just so good. But with with Benoit, okay, and 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 put him in, in with a Hogan or with a Macho Man, like. And Macho Man has even come out and said it, like he wanted to put young guys over, but it was, you know, there was just so much creative control for those older performance in their contracts that it wasn't going to happen. And I mean, what did WWE do? They took WCW's phenomenal talent that felt they weren't being pushed into WCW, came over to WWE, pushed them and they, to the moon. Like they didn't push him to the moon, but they they took that opportunity and ran with it. Now, like when Chris Jericho came over, the huge like that was stone cold level pop mm-hmm. for him show, showing up in the first night. Now they did mismanage him a little bit, misuse him a little bit those first few months, but they knew they had something when he falsely won the title from Triple H on that Monday Night Raw. He really do you, won. Do you
0: remember? Do you remember that pop?
1: That pop was enormous, and then of course Triple H got all of the. Heat in the entire world when they took the title back off of Jericho and put it on, on, on Triple H. But that showed like, oh, okay, we have something here. The Radicals, when they came over from WCW, that was huge. Like the pro, it just showed, again, you didn't have to push them to the championship right away. That's not what, I don't think that's what they were looking for either. They just wanted a little bit of, hey, we know you guys are valuable we want to get you here. Eventually here are the steps. We're going to start putting you in some programs and that sort of thing. It's not like they were saying, okay, we all want the title now, like get these old guys out of here. But that's kind of how Bischoff ran things over there was his top stars. Those cruiserweights kind of need to know their place Mm -hmm. and they had bigger aspirations and they had the talent to, to have those aspirations. And, and that was uh, anyway in my opinion um there were three things that caused the downfall started to cause downfall w sub w before vince russo killed it those were two so the goldberg free match with hogan the cruiserweights leaving and obviously the big third one was the entire goldberg finger poke of death Uh, you know or doom whatever you want to call it you know when when they brought in bret hart and go and you know with goldberg with kevin nash and the uh, the whole angle that they wanted to shoot there and just for it to go awry because of now according to kevin nash the pin, finger poke of doom was supposed to have comeuppance with goldberg destroying the nwo goldberg goes out to the limo as we all know punches through glass because he's you want it to be tough. I don't know, but you're human, man. Like if you're going to punch from glass, like you're going to destroy your hand. And that's why he tore up all the lingaments in his hand. So now there's no viable face to take down this huge heel organization. It's it, again, I don't know who to believe because there are different stories from different people. That was Kevin Nash's version. Um, you know, other like Jericho, who, who hold a grudge toward them, uh, you know, say it was just them playing their little games or however they want to, phrase it but but in my opinion those were the three things that that's like i said started the decline and like i said vince russo came in and just made sure they uh they weren't going to climb back up they, they put him he put him out of their misery
0: yeah and those are all fantastic points and i think you're right like because i think when you look at the monday night wars through a, a different lens um wcw had a lot more i guess like i think they had better wrestling a lot of times mm-hmm. um I think the undercard of the WWF was was atrocious at times, and yes. I think some. of Do You the, remember
1: yeah. the Odysseys? Yes.
0: yes. <laughs> yeah, the, yeah, the oddities and
1: or the oddities, what it was, yes, yeah, and
0: um, you know, like Al Snow and Big Boss Man, you know, the dog, the dog collar, oh. uh, you know, matches, and you know, Mark, so- Hen- Mark Henry and May Young giving birth to a hand and.
1: And they mentioned that on WWE TV in the last like five years. Why do you bring that up again? Come on, terrible.
0: <laughs> were, yeah, but there was just there was a lot of for all the good there was bad, and I think we have to remember that like through a, through a lens. Like we love talking about the Money Night Wars, and for all the good there was also a lot of trash. Um, you know, and obviously WWF, uh, and and I think also the merger with AOL Time Warner killed WCW because they yeah. didn't want a wrestling product so they you know and at that time ww was just struggling but eric bischoff had investors and um
1: they had a plan to revive the yeah. product
0: and it didn't work out obviously wwf bought it um, they said they said it for like anywhere between 2 and 4 million dollars but they're forgetting a big thing about that um, they also paid for like advertising because they ended up advertising on Turner stations after they bought WCW, you know, for WrestleMania for for years to come. So there was there was more money involved than people think. But you know, that ended the wars. And um, you know, did we come out better for it as a wrestling, you know, as a wrestling fan? You know, the the universe. Like what? Like do you feel like competition? was so good that it changed the landscape or like what what is what are your thoughts ultimately on the money at wars?
1: So um I hear a lot of people nowadays that obviously watch the current product say that the attitude there wasn't all that great because they will point out those things like you said the trashy bits with the Mark Henry's and you know the and I mean man you want to talk about women's revolution all the women's wrestling now how they use women then with sable and the bikini matches and all that stuff and uh, there there was a lot of trashy to it but you got to look at the times jerry springer was huge at the time you know Uh, those those types of things were were big so i think if you replace that that trashy part with more and and they kind of started to do that right once they started to get more talent from wcw before they eventually merged they, they did start to have a lot better wrestling on their program because they were getting a lot of the talent from WCW that they ultimately took from ECW, but, uh, full circle. Um, but it, it, it's, they started to do that. I feel like, and yes, I understand what the people's point for the attitude error looking back that, you know, it wouldn't, a lot of it wouldn't fly today, but that competition, in my opinion, truly drove the product to be great because as we talked about, WWE pushing the envelope with Stone Cold, pushing the envelope with DX and with Hell in a Cell. Those things don't happen if they're the only game in town. They're playing it safe. That's more of the new generation era, in my opinion. It's none of those things happen without competition. So, you know, Absolutely, competition drove the product to be great, and it's one of the things I'm upset about. White, like when ECW, man, I vividly remember that night when ECW was bought out. They were doing the simulcast show. Mm -hmm. I vividly remember that night, and I remember thinking, like, "Oh, wow, this is awesome! Everyone's going to be on one program." Oh, wow. They really don't have time for everybody on one program. <laughs> so obviously there's people that you like that are going to be cut thing cut time constraints. And, and that's the problem that they have now. There's so much talent that they, they, it's hard to showcase everything and everybody. So it's, it's yeah, I, man, it, it was a great time. And I'm upset that, uh, that it happened the way it happened. Um, Because I feel like WWE probably was going to give us, I mean, they, I mean, they were really hitting their stride when WCW ended up being bought by them. I mean, that was some of the best product in the Attitude Era in my, in my opinion was toward the end of that run. So uh, the WCW running. So yeah, it's, it's, it's unfortunate the the way it happened, but uh, yeah, that night stands out in my, in my head and, uh, the other thing that really stands out when when Eric Bischoff walked down on, on WWE TV, mm-hmm. that I'll never forget as well. That was just, that was like a, Oh crap moment. Like this is, this is intense. This is crazy.
0: And what you mentioned also, like, you know, the remnants, the, the aftermath of the money at wars gave my favorite era. Uh, and I'm, I'm relatively alone on this, but I'll, I'll, I'll take it. Um, the ruthless aggression, man, like, That SmackDown, Guerrero, Benoit, you know, like just that.
1: that,
0: Yes, that that time frame to me, it was my favorite. Uh, You know, Kurt Angle, The Wrestling Machine, Brock Lesnar, The Next Big Thing. Just this, uh, you know, a young John Cena, The Doctor of Mm Thuganomics. You know, that that's one of my favorites, man. And so I feel like we would have never gotten there if we didn't have the Money Night Wars. And of course, now parallels can be drawn. You know with nxt aew you know the upstart programming et cetera, et cetera. and i we always say it's never been a better time to be a wrestling fan because you have so many organizations now that have enough traction because of the internet and streaming and the way you can have distribution deals but we need to put a bow on this episode uh, it's been a blast talking to you before we end things do you have anything else you want to add uh for you know us talking about the money night wars
1: no, I mean, like you said, I, I love the product nowadays. But I mean, the product was so good back then, in my opinion. We didn't even talk about. I mean, the 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 Dudley's versus, versus Edge and Christian versus the Hardy Boy TLC matches are some of my favorite. There's so much that we didn't even get into because it was so packed and uh of a show and and a product and the action was phenomenal. So I really do miss it. But uh, you know, there there are some performers nowadays that give me hope that it can be like that again. It's just unfortunately, the the management has to get behind them as well.
0: Sure, and what this means is, you're right. We didn't get to a lot of things, and all that means we have to do another show together. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, we have we have to go through the things that we missed. Uh, but Chris, man, I really enjoyed having you today on the show, and uh, you obviously are welcome back anytime. Um, you know, you have a, a great knowledge for the business, and uh, and it's just always enjoyable getting the chance to chat with you and. Um, you know, we'll, we'll have you back and uh, definitely appreciate it having you and uh, tag gang. We, as always love that you listen to us, please uh, feel free to email us mixed tag show at gmail.com. Any questions, concerns, uh, you know, anything you want to say, positive, negative, we take it all uh, as well as social media. You know, we're on that, that Facebook and that Twitter. Uh, so check us out there and uh, Jared will be back Real soon i promise in fact you may hear him later this week i almost guarantee it but that's our time from the wrestling encyclopedia and three-time indian leg wrestling champion mr keith white thanks again to chris sly for being with us on mixed tag we are out